Hi all, this is Braden Thorvaldson, and I'm going to try something new with this episode. Instead of just one story, I'm going to do two smaller ones, both of which are some of my favorite stories, but were never long enough to make a full episode. I decided that they were too good to not see the light of day, so here's a very special episode of What? Explain, in which I tell you about the dog that was the subject of both a presidential memo and the staff of the White House and Camp David being requested to make a very particular pledge. Afterwards, you get the story of a piece of art that wowed the art world when it was first revealed, had been shown on four continents to widespread acclaim, and nearly caused me to fall off a double-decker tour bus. I'm Braden Thorvaldson, and this is What? Explain. Almost every American president, from the start of the 20th century onwards, has had some sort of pet, whether it be a cat, a dog, or some other animal. Some presidents came into office with their animal companions, while others ended up coming into the White House without a pet, but ended up getting one or more, due to family pressure or one of many myriad reasons. In 2008, Barack Obama famously promised his daughters, Sasha and Malia, that if he won the election, they would get a puppy. After the dust settled and Obama won, he made good on his promise, and Bo, the Portuguese water dog, had become a fixture in the White House for the entirety of the Obama presidency. Some of the more cynical people out there would argue that there are some side benefits for a sitting politician to have an adorable animal companion of some sort, especially in an election year. They can help humanize a politician who may have difficulty connecting with voters on their own, or help deflect attention from some questionable doings from that particular candidate. One of the better-known examples of this comes from 1952, when then-vice-presidential candidate Richard Nixon came under fire when the press found out about a potential misuse of $18,000 in campaign expenses. This fund was created by some of his political backers in order to reimburse him for political expenses that he had accrued after his first successful Senate campaign in 1950, much of which he paid for out of his own pocket at the time. While this was not technically illegal at the time, it certainly didn't look good that Nixon, who was running on an anti-corruption stance at the time, was in fact receiving gifts and money from wealthy Americans in exchange for him being in office. Nixon ended up having to go on national television for 30 minutes to defend himself and his conduct, attack his opposition, and urged his fellow Republicans to contact the Republican National Committee to ensure that he remained on the ballot. During this speech, he mentioned that while he may have taken some gifts that he should not have, there was one gift that he would not return, no matter the outcome. A black and white cocker spaniel puppy that his children had named Checkers. This was one of the first times a politician had used the relatively new medium of television to make an address directly to the American people, and it was a rousing success for Nixon. He received an outpouring of support from the American people, and stayed on the Republican ticket, where he and soon-to-be president Dwight Eisenhower won the election in a landslide. Of course, adorable puppies were not enough to save Nixon from his future political troubles. But that is a story for another time. For all the interesting and amazing animals that have made the White House their home at one time or another, only one has been the subject of a presidential memo, making the staff of the White House and Camp David the presidential retreat swear a very particular oath. Ranger was an English Springer Spaniel 
That was the second White House dog in the presidency of George H.W. Bush. As with many spaniels, he was a ball of energy, chasing deer around Camp David and squirrels around the White House lawn. He was adored by the president, and by all accounts, the feeling was mutual. But George Bush Sr. was not Ranger's only companion. He was a very friendly dog and made many acquaintances among the White House staff. Chasing squirrels and deer worked up a bit of an appetite in Ranger, and staff members were more than willing to toss a bit of food or a biscuit towards a good-natured spaniel. The problem began to occur when Ranger didn't stop at one staff member. He had made a route around towards various people in the White House and the White House staff that would be most likely to give out treats. And over time, both the President and the First Lady began to notice that Ranger was, in the words of the First Lady, growing by leaps and bounds, but out, not up. Action needed to be taken. As a result, President George H.W. Bush drafted a memo which remains one of my favorite historical artifacts. It reads as follows. February 6th, 1992. Memo. Important announcement. This is an all-points bulletin from the President. Subject, my dog, Ranger. Recently, Ranger was put on a weight reduction program. Either that program succeeds, or we enter Ranger in the Houston Fat Stock Show as a prime Hereford. All offices should take the formal pledge that reads as follows. We agree not to feed Ranger. We will not give him biscuits. We will not give him food of any kind. In addition, Ranger's access is hereby restricted. He has been told not to wander the corridors without an escort. This applies to the east and west wings, to the residents from the third floor, to the very, very bottom basement. Although Ranger will still be permitted to roam at Camp David, the Camp David staff, including the Marines, naval personnel, all civilians, and kids, are specifically instructed to rat on anyone seen feeding Ranger. Ranger has been asked to wear a Do Not Feed Me badge in addition to his ID. I will, of course, report on Ranger's fight against obesity. Right now, he looks like a blimp. A nice, friendly, appealing blimp, but a blimp. We need your help. All hands, please help. From the President, George H.W. Bush. My favorite part of that document can be boiled down to, Ranger was asked to wear a Do Not Feed Me badge. He was asked. Well, I have no information upon whether or not this concerted effort was fought by Ranger, but after the Bush presidency, he still accompanied the president on early morning walks throughout Houston. So I assume that all was forgiven in time. Now, on to story number two. The definition of what the purpose of art should be varies with the practitioner, but one thing that many can agree on is that it should make you feel something, or at least elicit a reaction. Whether it be a drawing, a painting, a production of a play, there should be something evoked within the audience. It could be a specific message that the creator wanted to pass along, to look more deeply into social issues, at the environment surrounding them, or just to think about something differently, or even to simply be entertained. I have been fortunate enough to see and experience many works of art in my lifetime. Plays, performances, or even just wandering through a gallery. 
but the single most visceral reaction I had was to a work of art called Mama, located outside the National Art Gallery in Ottawa. Mama is one of a series of sculptures created by the artist Louise Bourgeois. It is made of bronze, stainless steel, and 32 ovular marble objects. Five identical versions of it were cast in bronze, while the original was cast in steel. They have permanent locations on four different continents, in such varied places from Qatar to Arkansas. Yes, I did have to look that second one up. Bourgeois explained that Mama is an ode to her mother, who worked as a weaver in her father's tapestry shop in Paris, and who Bourgeois considered to be her best friend. When her mother died of an unexplained illness when Louise was 21, she was distraught and inconsolable. A few days after her mother had passed, she threw herself into the river, near their Paris home, where her father ended up having to dive in after her in order to rescue her. Her mother's passing changed Louise in more ways than one, as she soon after changed her course of study from mathematics at the Sorbonne and began studying art instead. Bourgeois moved from her home in Paris to New York soon after, where she eventually became an acclaimed artist, sculptor, and art critic in her own right. She was creating art all the way from the 1940s until her death in 2010, but it was the Mama series that she was most well known for. So, what is Mama? What is this work that is the most well known in an acclaimed artist's career that lasted over seven decades? Well, in a fitting tribute both to her mother's job as a weaver and her cleverness, helpfulness, and protectivity of Louise, Mama is a series of sculptures of a 30-foot spider. These spiders carry 32 marble eggs with them, and I can attest personally that the one located in Ottawa can very much dominate the scenery. How do I know this? Well, suffice it to say that if you look out one side of a double-decker bus tour and see an enormous bronze spider where you don't expect to see an enormous bronze spider, there is a visceral reaction. This particular visceral reaction involved some jumping up in the air and an uttering of a very loud curse word that caused the kids of a nearby family to giggle and the parents to look at me with something of a scandalized expression on their face. Perhaps someday I'll actually make it past the guardian spider into the actual gallery. But for now at least, I think I'll stick with the virtual tour. Thank you all for joining me for this most unusual episode of What? Explain. If you like this new format, hate this new format, or truly are just fine either way, please let me know. I'm at WhatExplainCast on Instagram and Facebook, so if you're wanting to know the latest updates on what is happening with the show, like and follow us there. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review us wherever you found us. It does help boost us in the search algorithms where we can be seen by more people who might like the show. All in all, this is uh, very much appreciated. Thank you for listening, and if you've been with me since the beginning, just thank you so much. Take a COVID-safe high five out of petty cash. But for now, I will be back in a couple weeks with another fact or a couple stories that'll make you go. What? Explain. <laughs>